Welcome to the Unmade Podcast. I'm Tim Burrows. Nine's annual general meeting takes place on Thursday. It's been an unusual year for Australia's largest local media company. The second half of a pandemic, a change of CEOs, a ransomware attack, just some of the things that you don't usually see. The man in charge of keeping the revenue ship afloat is Chief Sales Officer Michael Stevenson, who joins me now. Welcome, Steve-O. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. Now, before we talk about this year, I noticed looking on your LinkedIn profile that you've just celebrated your 10-year anniversary since becoming Director of Sales for Nine, which was back in September 2011. Now, that was long before the merger with Fairfax, of course. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that Nine was kind of in the doldrums back then. The banks were circling. There were a bunch of ratings misses. Um, What did you think you were getting yourself into? Gosh, well, thanks for reminding me that it's been 10 years. I I would not have uh, uh, remembered that myself. Um, You know, I've, I've, I've always loved media and I've loved television and... Of course, I've been in this role for 10 years, but I've been at nine now for 15 years in a whole range of different roles. And, and I love I love nine. I'm very passionate about it. Um, but as you rightly point out, I've got a, gosh, a lot has changed um, since that moment. Um, you know, we were recovering um, as, a, as a business at that particular point in time. And, you know, we would have had two, two linear TV channels, I think, back then. And, um, and nine, we would have nine MSN would have been a, a business. And, uh, and of course, you fast forward to today and we are Australia's largest and most diverse media company and we have a whole range of assets and we've evolved from being just a content business to a content data and technology company. So, you know, we've, we've really uh, positioned ourselves well, I think, for the future. And I've been very fortunate to have been um, a part of that and been involved in a lot of those decisions. And so it's been a pretty fascinating, fascinating journey. And, um, and mind you, I think, I think the next part of it's going to be equally as exciting. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, incredible things just about to happen. Well, before we look too far forward, let's talk about uh, 2021, which um, also was an unusually an Olympic year. Um, Seven had the rights. Um, how does that influence your sales strategy for the network when you know that there's this big lump, which is going to it's going to drag some revenue into the TV sector as a whole, but also it's going to change how you plan for the year? How do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, the Olympic Games clearly is a is a significant one-off event. It happens. It happens, happens every four years. Um, but you know, whilst um, you know, I enjoyed watching it. Um, you know, we don't spend that much time really thinking about what our competitors are doing in and around that space. We've got we've got our own business. Um, you know, we think about our content um, and the consistency of that content through the year. You know, it starts with the Australian Open, goes right through until December. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're way more focused on what we're doing than what others are doing. And of course, you know, next year it won't be there and, and, um, and we will continue on. So for us, really, it's about, from a TV point of view anyway, it's about having that consistency of, of ratings delivery right through the year, whether that's, whether that's news or whether that's sport or whether that's our entertainment formats. You know, I think advertisers really want a consistency of, of audience delivery. And, um, and I think that's been, our, that's been our great strength. And we're kind of approaching that point in the year. Hey, maybe we're even here with the, the AGM coming up. But we're, we're certainly a, a approaching that point in the year where, where we start calling winners and losers in the ratings for winners for the year, et cetera. Um, 
and it, it it strikes me that it's become a lot more complex now. So we have network share, primary channel share, total viewing, including catch up and BVOD, uh, Metro versus national, the different demographics. Um, of a morning, you have to look at one number first. Which which number do you look at first, and why? So. You know, I, I, you say it's complicated. I actually don't think it's complicated. I actually think it's it's pretty simple. We have ratings from the 1st of January to the 31st of December every year. Uh, we have ratings for all of our channels from the moment we start broadcasting in the morning to, to the moment where we finish in the evening. And so if you think about all channels all day against the thing that matters to, matters to advertisers, which is demographics, and in particular three, 16 to 39-year-olds, 25 to 54-year-olds, and grocery shoppers with children, that is the vast majority of advertising campaigns are bought against those demographics. Um, then we are the undisputed leader. Um, we win in all of those demographics. This will be our sixth year of dominance. Um, and so I, I look at it through that lens. Now, of course, different um, at different times, different agencies or advertisers might look at specific segments. Someone might look at prime time on the main channel as an example because it's where they spend the vast majority of their money. Um, if you look at it through that lens, we're the leader again, 1639, 2554, grocery shoppers with children. Uh, we'll win that as well um, again for, for the sixth year in a row. So however people want to look at it, I think, I think that's fine. Um, we win in all of those in, against every one of those metrics. Um, and I think that's really important to advertisers. It's, it's what they buy. Um, they're looking for a return on their investment. And with us, you get scale because we're the leader, scale because we're number one and a consistency right through the year. The metric is really simple. 1st of January, 31st of December, all channels against the demos. Now, as you mentioned the Olympic Games earlier on, of course, um, what advertisers do in marketers is they exclude one-off or special events. And as I referenced, the Olympics wasn't there last year, won't be there next year, and therefore it's excluded from any analysis. Although I'm sure Seven would, would argue differently, obviously. We can't really argue it. It's been... That's been the way it has been forever. Um, and it makes complete sense because when marketers are making decisions around um, their advertising investment, they need an apples for apples comparison. And so they compare one period to another period and you remove one-off events. And uh, last time I looked, Tim, that was a one-off event. <laughs> and uh, one of the things I'm, I'm curious about is you... Hey, look, we're recording this, uh, you know, not long after the ratings will have come in for this morning. Um, what do you look to first? You open your phone. Do you just look at how a show from last night did? Because there, there must be something you look for first. What would it, where, where would you usually go personally? Uh, straight to the top. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, overnight ratings are, are still incredibly important. But I think everybody does need to realise that they're only a part of the story. So, you know, in the morning when I get the ratings report come through, I go straight to 25 to 54 year olds. I look at where we, how many shows we had in the top 10, um, what our share of the, of the um, evening was against that demographic. And importantly, I look at what percentage of our total audience was against the demographic. And so, you know, regularly we are somewhere between 50 and 60% of our total audience is in the demo. And that's really, really important. So that's, that's where I would go to first um, every morning, followed very quickly um, by what happened in live streaming and what happened on demand um, for the previous day as well. And that is, you know, 
total tell the notion of total television is is a, is a real thing. It is the future of television. The ability to connect with audiences that they consume content either via the live signal, via a live stream, or on demand. And so when we're thinking about the success of a particular piece of content, you've got to look at it across all of those platforms. And um, you know, I think and there's some great examples. Right, Love Island right now, of course, is 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 um is on air and on nine now. And you know, we've got the episode number one has just ticked over eight hundred thousand viewers. Of course, on demand and live streaming viewing is the is the major driver of that audience of that audience number. So, looking at it holistically is is critical and really important. Love Island is a really interesting example because I, I, I guess because it skews to a younger audience that that shows probably a really good indicator of where the trends are going. Um, and as you say, there are some episodes now where there are more people who've watched it on BVOD, um, broadcast video on demand, than watched it when it went out on linear TV. Um, so we, assuming we take that as the sign to come, how should that affect how marketers and media agencies plan and how you trade with them as that becomes the new reality? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting point because I'm not sure that's the reality for everything. I think what's interesting about Love Island, when we played on on Channel 9, if we played at 8.30 or 9.30 or 10.30, it actually doesn't change the audience profile at all. And the reason why that is is because they're, the people who are viewing that content, they're what I call fanatics. They are lovers of Love Island. And so they find it. Now, of course, increasingly because of the demographic profile of the show, it's obviously skews a lot younger. They are increasingly watching it via a live stream or on demand. But if you think about uh, tentpole shows or, um, or, or sport or news and the like, whilst people will increasingly view on other platforms or connected devices, the foundation of that today, yesterday, today, tomorrow, and for probably as long as we can see, um, linear television will still be the foundation and the driver of audience. And that's really important if you're an advertiser because when advertisers are buying advertising campaigns, they are trying to maximise reach. Um, and, of course, they're trying to do that efficiently. And so I think the challenge for advertisers, and it's why Voz is clearly so important, is what is the right mix of advertising in both um, linear television within a live stream and on demand to maximise your reach and do that at the minimal cost. Vols being the virtual Australia, the, the overall measure. That's right. Well, there's a, there is a, an optimal allocation of funds across all of those platforms which will allow you to maximise your reach um, and reduce the cost of every incremental reach point. And that is, of course, the role of, the role of media buyers. And so you're increasingly seeing people talking about total television for those two reasons. And I think that is, I think that's fascinating because, you know, that is the, that is the science, if you like, in media buying, the, the ability to um, analytically make decisions to maximise those returns, I think is really important. Well, we are well into the final quarter now for the ratings year. Um, any more twists to come or is it pretty much, do we know where we are now, do you think? Oh, I think in terms of the, I think in terms of, you know, who, who at the end, who, who is the leader, who is the number one network against those demographics? I think that race has run. And of course that's us. We've got, you know, we are, we're the leader by 
uh, more than two points against 16 to 39 year olds. We're the leader by um, almost four points against 25 to 54 year olds and, and over four points against grocery shoppers with children. So, you know, we, we will once again, like I said, uh, win the year. Um, that's really important for advertisers because it's how they will allocate their investment into the following into the following year. But but there are still twists and turns. In fairness to Severin, we have to note that they are they'll they'll win total people though. Not that you care about that. No, absolutely. Channel Seven will total will will win total people, and um and we will come second against people sixty five plus. So we won't win those two. But the things that advertisers buy those three demos, we will win that. Um. And to your point around, are there more twists and turns? There are because parental guidance has got up to a cracker of a start. So there's some really interesting stuff coming um, over the next couple of weeks in that show. And then, of course, you have um, we've got uh, the Lego Christmas content, and uh, we also have Snack Masters. So there's still a lot of there's a lot of premium Australian content to come and online did, between now did, and Christmas. The, the block's obviously gone well in the end, but did it give you a bit of a scare when it started slowly this year? Lots of these, I mean, and this is not new news, but these these types of formats generally, generally have a hockey stick shape to their audience performance. So they start strongly. After the course of the two or three weeks, you see the, the audience come back a little. And then, of course, you see that build towards build towards the finale and that's that's exactly what we've seen again you know we have um we've had many 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 seasons of the block it is going to be the most valuable show on television because audiences love it increasingly they love it across all platforms and brands love it as well because it's a show built uh for brands to integrate into and you know this season um didn't disappoint in terms of the types of i would say innovative integration um, and brand storytelling that we that we brought to life it was it's been another another great year for the block and next year of course it goes to the bush so more twists and turns uh, let's talk about galaxy um, so you've invested heavily in allowing brands to effectively match their own first party data and to then make bookings across the network for everything apart main channel prime time you announced that at nines up fronts this year seven and ten made similar announcements um one thing i found myself sort of thinking about from the outsider perspective was that once you heard from everybody it's actually quite hard to tell what's real what's smoke and mirrors and i'm i'm not sure that's necessarily a good thing for television as a medium as a whole so you're a board member of Think TV, the industry body for television. Um, are you are you yet in a position where you can speak as an industry as a whole clearly about what television actually is able to offer across the board towards marketers' tech stack? Yeah. Look, I um, so there's a lot of you know there are a whole range of um, of projects ongoing um, at an industry level whereby. Seven, nine, ten, and Foxtel can come together to uh, make the transaction of television easier. If you like, we're doing doing a lot of work with third-party software suppliers right now, um, ensuring that all of the agency systems are VOS ready. So, and we're doing that as an industry. Um, you know, the ability to standardise um, things like file types and and sort of technical the technical transaction of data between TV company and agency. All of these things are, are happening in the background. 
um, you know, will there be one system that everybody can access to buy television? I think the answer to that is no. And, um, and therefore, you know, 7, 9, 10 and Foxtel um, are either building or licensing their own. Of course, for us, it's Galaxy. Um, and, you know, that is a real thing. It exists. Um, and we have, you know, some agencies placing up to 70% of their off-peak and multi-channel bookings through that platform. Fully automated, no make goods, no shortfalls. It's the future of how you would buy television, and 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 it's here. Um, of course, in our upfronts, we made some more announcements. You know, we want to make it increasingly even more accessible to people. So, you know, we are in the process of opening up all of our live avails to all of our agency partners, so they can see exactly what is available to be purchased. Make that transaction more simple, and of course, we're giving them direct access into the system. They'll be able to come in and create and place their own campaigns directly into into Nine Galaxy. And it's, you know, we spend a lot of time talking to international technology companies who are fascinated by what we've built. And, you know, you asked me at the beginning of this podcast, you know, God, I've been here 10 years. Was it what I expected? Well, of all of the things that we've achieved in the last 10 years, I think the development of Galaxy has got to be one of the things that I'm, I'm most proud of because we went into the world, we went, into the globe looking for someone looking for a piece of technology and it didn't exist and it doesn't exist today so we built it um and you know it's great to see the other guys also taking that the investment in technology seriously because it's a big part of i think the future of all of our businesses and do you think in their upfronts they gave the market a fair impression of how far advanced they are with their own progress? Uh, I mean, I didn't, I haven't heard, I didn't see all of it. And I, it, I think, that, that, I don't know, it feels like it's right. I'm not sure. I'm not close enough to know, to their businesses to know, to know exactly what they are doing. But I think, you know, what is, what is obvious is the future of television is automated. It's addressable. Um, and it's a total television ecosystem. So you need to have a platform that takes the laborious heavy lifting of buying 30 second ad spots um, away from media buyers. That's not efficient. So you need to automate it. You need to be able to um, buy against uh, uh, your first party data asset and you need to be able to buy live, live streaming and on demand and Galaxy does all of those things. Um, and of course, you know, as I, as I um, announced at our upfronts, we're obviously, as we speak, building it for regional television. So we will not only have world-class technology, you'll be able to buy Metro, Regional and BVOD all from one stack. We'll come to that win arrangement in a moment. Just one one, one more question on the technology first. Um, you, you talked about building stuff yourself and I was you know, really interested when you announced it. Uh, Voyager, the effectively self-service platform for smaller advertisers now, I think it was somewhat disrupted by the ransomware attack. Is Is it back on track now? It's, um, I, I love Voyager and our focus on the SME market. Um, it is, it's a, I kind of feel like it's a little startup sort of incubating, incubating alongside us. So you're right. It was impacted by, by the cyber attack. Um, we're in the process of rebuilding that. So it can sit in the, sit in the cloud, obviously. Um, and we're building that out today. It is, you're able to, um, access television, radio and BVOD through Voyager. But I think what's obvious to us as we're learning is the SME market, of course, today predominantly use search and social. So 
And what we are building at um, and will happen over time is the ability to connect with our digital audiences through Voyager. Because I suspect for, for, for small businesses, not so much medium enterprise, but for small business, their first exposure or experience with Nine will be through digital um, and then it'll build through radio and ultimately end up in television. Um, as small businesses become bigger businesses, clearly television becomes um, the utopia. So kind of we're building that out um, for that particular reason. Well, you alluded to regional just now, um, now um, seven and the, the, the last week or two announced the prime takeover, which gives them a kind of national, nationally owned offering. Um, you had already talked about having one sales team with win as Bruce Gordon's win has become increasingly close to nine as an organization and he's a shareholder. Um, in terms of the practicalities, when you're saying one team, how much of one team is it? And I guess, I suppose what I think about is if you, if you tell your sales team what to do, they've got to do it with wins team. Are you telling them or are you asking them? Well, I would like to think that I'm not telling anybody anything, but like working collaboratively with all of the guys and girls that work in, that work in um, our team across the country. But so I guess there are a couple of stages. The, the first stage is, is what we're doing right now, which is I would say we've aligned our teams Um and so all of the WIN uh, sales team are, are co-located in our offices around the country. We've invested in resource into trade marketing, into Powered um, to ensure that the nine story can be told in both metro and regional markets. Um, we are increasing collaboration between both the metro and the regional teams. And um, we're, we're just working more closely together. And of course, there's great efficiency um, and opportunity in doing that, but it will only get you so far. So stage two, which will happen on the 1st of July, and to answer your question, is that all of the WIN team will become nine employees. So they are a part of the nine team and nine will be responsible for representing um, nine's assets in regional Australia um, into, into the market. So that is complete integration. Now, but even that only gets you to stage two. The real benefit for agencies and marketers is our ability to automate the buying and selling of regional television. Because if you think the metro markets are complex, then the regional markets are five times as complex. There's five times as many markets. Um, and so we're working through that process right now. And, and when, we, when we have that, when we have Galaxy for regional, that's a game changer. Um, no shortfalls, no make goods. That is our absolute point of differentiation because nobody else in the market has that product or the ability to deliver that for clients and agencies and it will drive incredible efficiencies um, for agencies and clients but ultimately it will deliver them a better outcome well uh, if we count your time at 9msn which is what brought you into the organization um you've been through four ceos now with eddie mcguire david gingell hugh marks and now mike sneesby um it's a slightly unfair question but um which of them would you say has so far made the greatest contribution to the state the business finds itself in right now? Uh, Mike's, Mike Sneesby, definitely. Um, oh, look, Mike's, I mean, Mike's literally six months in, so it's super early days um, for him. Um, but, you know, I think our first exposure to Mike as a CEO was, of course, managing our business through the cyber attack. And I don't think we could have been in safer hands through that, through that process. 
So You've got an engineering background, of course. Uh, yeah, I guess that helps. But I just think the way as a leader, he, he managed our company through what was a very difficult time. Um, and I don't think he could have done that any better than he did. Um, same time. And I, I guess, you know, through my period, my time at, at nine, I've had different CEOs and I've probably been at a different, I've been a little, I was younger or I, I'm learning different things. I mean, Hugh Marks, I think, has to go down as one of the most successful CEOs of all time anywhere in media. Um, what he achieved in his five years at nine was quite incredible. And, you know, we have a lot to to thank him for, for being, in, for being the business that we are today. And he was the architect of that. But of course, Ginge was so charismatic and so content driven and um, just an, an incredible person to be around. So I don't know, I learned different things from different people. But when you think about those, those names, it's, we've had a pretty incredible lineup of leaders. And um, Eddie Maguire commissioned underbelly. <laughs> Wow, yeah, and of course, back in the uh, back in our schedule next year with Underbelly Vanishing Act, so um, the brand the brand lives on. <laughs> this is a, a thought that's just occurred hearing you talk about these things. There were lots of strong internal candidates for the for the vacancy created by um, Hugh going, and you know it's kind of in the public domain that you were one of them. Um, if you had taken that role. Would the company look any different right now to how it looks? Oh gosh, and that's a that's a really that's a, a really big question. Oh, look, I think we had we got a very clear strategy. I think it's one of the one of the things that has um, allowed us to be su- as successful as we have been over the last little while. You know, we create great content, we distribute it across multiple platforms to ultimately engage audiences and advertisers. Um, within that, of course, we're accelerating towards our towards our digital future. That's it's, you know, it's what we started five years ago. It's what Mike is accelerating, um, uh, which is exactly what I would have done if I had been given that opportunity. But, you know, as I said, I think Mike's doing a fantastic job and, and I'm very fortunate to, to, to be able to work right alongside him. And I think, you know, we're, we're a good team. We've got a great executive team here at Nine and um, we're good friends and we, uh, we take everything very seriously, but not ourselves that seriously. So it's good fun. And you know, we're doing that now in an ad market that's recovering really quickly. Um, so I think the next, you know, the next period of time, I think is going to be a, an interesting period as you think about sort of points of inflection for not just for nine, but I think for our industry, you know, this whole notion of total television, the notion of total audio, the role of subscription and advertising and how they coexist in a diversified business like our, like ours. Like all of these things are, are really, really interesting. And um, I think the next 12 months, you can see all of that play out. Michael Stevenson, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. The Unmade Podcast is produced with the enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. If you don't already, do sign up for the Unmade newsletter at unmade.media. More soon. I'm Tim Burrows. Toodle pip. Toodle pip.